two of those people were female and that was like a huge light bulb. I didn't know you could be young and female and start a business as stupid as that sounds to say, but it was kind of true. Like I just didn't identify as Mm -hmm. that until I saw it and I needed to see it. That's Erica Reiner and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. I'm Cara Duffy, a business coach and entrepreneur on a mission to help you live your most extraordinary life by showing you anything is possible. People who have mastered freedom, ease, and success, who are living their best and most ridiculous lives and making an impact are often people you've never heard of until now. The number of interior design accounts that I follow on Instagram is probably excessive, but I don't think I'm alone in wanting to space both home and office, that allows me to feel relaxed, happy, and powerful. What we don't think about enough when it comes to our interiors is does our space contribute to our health, the health of the planet, and does it align with our values? That's where Erica Reiner comes in. She's the co-founder of EcoMethod Interiors, an interior design studio that considers toxicity, sustainability, human rights, and beyond when helping you design your dream spaces. Finally, beauty, elegance, and comfort meet true health and well-being. Welcome to the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. You were recommended to us by Anna on the Powerful Ladies team who honestly has has given us some of the best recommendations of anyone who's been referring people to this podcast. And, you know, she just knows some of the nicest, coolest, most interesting people. Let's let everyone know who you are right away before I start asking (laughs) you questions. What's your name? What are you up to? And where do you live in the world? Yeah, first of all, shout out to Anna. Thank you for connecting us. Um, okay, my my name is Erica Reiner. I live in Los Angeles right now. I'm coming to you from my co-working office in Marina Del Rey. And um, let's see, I am the owner and lead designer of my business called EcoMethod Interiors, which I think we'll be talking a little bit about today. And what else can I tell you? Well, let's just jump right into to Eco Method because I think it's so interesting. So to give people context, what are most people who are working in people's homes, designing and helping styling or organizing, what is it normally like? And when did you realize that you needed to create something different? Yes. Okay. What it normally is like... Um, So I guess I can, I'll answer that in reverse, how (laughs) I'm a little bit different because I normally always just say, so the process is fairly similar to conventional interior design, you know, like all the steps that we would normally take, everything from the consultation and the drawings and the um, prepping and the project management, all of that looks the same. The differentiating piece comes into play in two different categories for me. And the first one, a big one, is in whether it's a decorating or design project in the sourcing. So I'm always looking to a big catalog of vendors that are maybe doing a better job at certain texts. And then I'm thinking about in the project, like based on the client's goals and my goals for their green goals for their project, I'm thinking about like, what can I achieve here where I'm swapping out conventional products and materials for something that was made cleaner or greener. And so I come up with um, a little like deliverable for the client that is going to explain what I'm after and how I think I'm going to achieve that for their particular project. And then when I'm in the first thing, that's what I'm looking for. So if I'm like, okay, this is a super heavy, like wood based project. There's lots of woody furniture as opposed to upholstered pieces. Um, that's going to have a different direction or like meaning for me than um, 
something that is like a maybe like a nursery or stuff with a bunch of soft furnishings that we want to focus on toxicity or whatever the client's goals may be. So um, the method is kind of like weaving that all together mm-hmm. in how I can make all that criteria in addition to traditional conventional criteria of any given design project kind of work. Um, so that is the biggest piece. And then the other piece is in things like construction projects or <clears throat> renovations, ground up renovations. I might also be doing some like um, maybe a teeny bit of building specifications, not really like into the architectural zone. That's not um mm-hmm. That's kind of where my role stops, but a few things I can do and recommend. And then all the hard surface uh, materials in a home, I can specify for something a little bit better, recycled content, stuff like that. And then also I am learning a bit more and trying to get more into the 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 issues in the construction process itself, primarily with waste um, and other things like you know, carbon output, all that kind of stuff. But um, a lot of it is, if you've ever seen a renovation, there's like just a ton of waste. So I'm looking at that piece as well if I'm working on um, something construction oriented. And for, I think there's also a lot of people who just aren't aware of how dirty home building and interior design and upholstery and carpets and paint, like there's so much that goes into our living space is not clean. So can you, can you enlighten people on the realities of what most of us are living in and where the opportunities to be cleaner uh, and healthier are? Sure. Yeah. Um, So I kind of like to compare it to the fashion industry and the agricultural industry because they've both experienced like the swing from pre-World War II and more natural things to post-World War II, lots of um, chemical inventions and process changes and stuff like that. And then back through now, another more positive swing into the recognition of the past, um, you know, 70 years and going back to things like organic and slowing down fast fashion, all that kind of stuff. So what we're, this is just applying everything we know about that to this industry. And we experience the exact same issues and are looking to similar problem solving um, solutions. So like Everything from human health and toxicity issues in the fabrics, in the phones, in the um, solvents, in the wet applied products like paints and stains, in the actual particle board of non-solid wood materials. So there is a huge, huge, huge chemical burden um, and overload in every single (laughs) piece of material of every single piece of furniture. Um, And so that is a major concern for me. I'm a bit of a health nut. Um, I try and balance like the fear of knowing too much and like (laughs) going insane. So I I do try and stay nice and healthy right in the middle and do the best that I can. I do not live in like a granola hay hut. Um, It's not (laughs) possible. So I'm right there with everyone else trying to figure it out. Um, And then the other piece is the sustainability piece. And oftentimes people know about one or the other, just like through osmosis as um, Mm -hmm. people come to me with what they've experienced in society or been um, turned on to. It's awesome when people know and care about and want to address both. Um, That can be a little bit harder, but the sustainability piece is going to be things like, was that thing responsibly sourced or was, you know, orangutan habitat chopped down to get it to you? Were the people paid fair wages? Were the people who are making the thing exposed to toxic chemicals? Um, or the air, and you know, was it just like dumped into a river wherever it was made? So everything surrounding the whole product life cycle of extraction, transportation, the product use and the product end of life and mm-hmm. what can be done after that is um, the sustainability kind of loop um, that we're looking at. And so with all of 
all of that, I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> excuse my stuttering. I'm trying to get people um, coming to me that are a aware and interested and um, cognizant of these things, whether you know they fall into one category, the other, or both. Mm-hmm. Um, and are looking to flex their purchasing power by having me help them out. I I recently, uh, well, I guess not recently anymore. In April, I moved into a new place. And it had been six years since I had moved before. And I was like, you know what? This is a great opportunity to really see what's coming new into the new place. Because I knew everything wasn't coming with me. And I every choice I was making, I'm like, how can this be sustainable, plastic-free? Like I was following your methodology before even knowing (laughs) that you existed. And I was surprised at how some things were so easy to find and other things are really hard. And just like you said, it's like, where do you make the compromises? Because it's also, it's not inexpensive to choose, I guess, like the right in quotes option. And so one of the compromises is always just what's the budget and, you know, yeah. resolving that. Um, but for example, I, I went to like an avocado mattress and cleaner sheets and like that just feels good to know at least like the sleeping part of my life. Is yeah. In a place. Yeah. I always joke that like the mattress is the gateway drug into green interior design. <laughs> and you're like, what else is there? Um, yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear about like how you like what you what you were saying was easy to find and what you were saying was hard. I want to see if that matches up with what I find. Sure. So I was even doing smaller products, like things that were like in the kitchen or in the bathroom. So like it was easy to find a plastic-free razor choice. There was like, there's many. It was relatively easy to find plastic-free toothpaste options. I now use the Hello, like tablets. Um it was like easy to find smaller things. The mattress was actually very easy. There seems to be a lot of competition out there. Um, sheets were kind of, I would grade them as a B if we're doing like a A to F. Sure, yeah. There were plenty of options, but most of the options were so outrageously expensive that I was like, what? And I felt like I was co- like choosing between like sort of green or like it might've been like in, like organic materials, but were they sustainable? Like it, I didn't get... I couldn't find like an all-in-one option. And even when I was moving in, so much stuff was shipped to my house that the amount of cardboard I had was so yeah. overwhelming. Um, and I literally started putting it up on like a uh, Facebook marketplace, like who wants to build your kid a cardboard house? Cause I literally can provide everything. That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Some grandpa came and took like my really big uh, boxes that I thought was fun. Um, and then other things like like couches, like that was almost impossible. Like I think I found a couch that was, they tried to do the right things, but I have no idea if it has good foam or materials. They just mm-hmm. had some carbon transferring options in it. Um, but it started to get overwhelming where yeah. you'd either find things that were not cute and kind of went into that straw hut granola house you were talking about <laughs> or you would find things that were cute and you'd be like I don't want to spend five thousand dollars on that <laughs> like what so it was it was just a really big swing and I've worked I have a, a client who's a fashion stylist and I know it's so much easier for me to call like phone a friend and be like give me five places to look and make this easier I wish I had that when I was moving to just help me narrow the scope Versus spending so much time like Googling and checking and because you get so many lists made by some random publisher and you're like, yeah, (laughs) did you pay for all these? Are you getting a kickback? Is this even real? I can't tell anymore. (laughs) Yes. So many good points you just made and something that you touched on. I, I always like translate to like what you're doing identifying good, better, best. And you're like, this is kind of good. And this is a little bit better and this best thing. Oh, but I can't afford that best thing. So we're going to go back into the, Mm -hmm. and that's exactly how I mentally categorize or even like physically will categorize things too. And think about, um, okay, this part is good. This part's a little bit better and this is the best option, but I don't know if we're going to be able to do it, but maybe we can on this Mm -hmm. thing. You know, it's kind of like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
I will say like there are lots, like you're saying how there's, you know, lots of competition in the mattress marketplace. Um, there is more and more companies um, and makers and vendors um, coming on to the green home product world uh, marketplace, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And, you know, the more we can make those good, better, best decisions, like you know, the more the market share will mm-hmm. turn that way, just like with any other industry. So, um, yeah, I mean, and I also just will say I get cardboard anxiety too. I'm just <laughs> like, I really hope they recycle this. Um, cause you put it in the bin and you're just not sure how much is actually getting recycled. Um, yeah. then again, that's the thing, like, can we make our voices heard somehow so that the biggest users of cardboard are sourcing mm-hmm. from recycled content, um, stuff like that. A lot, there's a lot of like, I see a lot of companies saying things like all of our packaging is recyclable and that is good and important. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be way more impressive if it was all from recycled content, because then that creates the marketplace um, for producers to purchase like, and actually get things recycled. Cause as your listeners may know stuff, um, so barely any of it makes it into the recycling bin. And then of that portion, only X amount is recycled. There's a whole bunch of reasons behind that. But um, the more we can demand for these kind of products, like it's just going to get better. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm here to try and cheerlead everyone into doing. <laughs> well, and I think the the packaging piece is often the, the last step in healthy and non-toxic and green and sustainable and um, I don't know if you saw the article um, that came out on July 8th from Vogue about um, fashion designer Rachel Comey leaving Uline because of not necessarily their recycling or sustainability, but because of their political pr- position as the owners. And no, like, I didn't see that. Yeah. So Uline is um, a big... I do know Uline, yeah. Mm-hmm. But And their owners are really big far-right um, contributors pro-gun, pro-anti-abortion. And she's like, I just can't give, I can't contribute to this anymore. And so she found a new supplier. She's been sharing it with people and they're one of the biggest, you know, suppliers in the world. So it's, it's, I feel like there's so many, I like, like you, I get overwhelmed because to do the right thing today, it's like, who was hurt making this? Was the planet hurt? Will this hurt me? Guilt, (laughs) confusion, overwhelm. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And um, that is, I think, a large part of when and why someone may reach out to me. I always prefer they reach out to me sooner rather than later, but sometimes (laughs) I do get those messages that are like, help, I'm so overwhelmed and this is so much more work than I thought. Um, To source stuff for your house, let alone with this additional like conscious criteria, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I have tried to make my, you know, internal workings work for you guys. And, or at least like, you know, with extra set of hands, take that, that burden off the plate Mm -hmm. and present things like here are a couple options and this is this, and this is that, and you can kind of decide and it, it, it does help with that, but it's very much intentional. The, The confusion and the difficulty has, is, like the result of just kind of unchecked capitalism. Don't get me wrong. I'm not mm-hmm. like so far left that I'm, you know, like saying we should go back to like communism or something, but I'm just, I, I think we need to find a happy place in the mm-hmm. middle where things are no longer unchecked. Um, anything from, environmental and human health like consequences mm-hmm. um to you know like a lot of these a lot of these things are like this you get the sticker shock how you're talking about like yeah. oh wow like this well-made or you know sustainable thing is really expensive and it's like yeah that's how things were like prior to the 50s like mm-hmm. your wedding they would like all get you the one dining set and it was like there you go <laughs> like starting yeah. your new life you know, and you're gonna keep it till you die and we just live in a very different mm-hmm universe that has been constructed over time with a lot of like rampant just kind of capitalistic culture that 
resulted in all of this. So things got cheaper to make with different um, inventions and attention to chemistry and, and processes and stuff like that. And that's a good thing, but not, but at what cost? And mm-hmm. so that's that balance that we're looking for. Um, and so again, it's kind of like a bit of it is a re-education or a reframing of um I understand why there's sticker shock in some cases, but you have to reframe the mind or or just make it like a different kind of commitment. Like this is stuff that I'm going to get. And maybe I feel like this is a really big purchase for me. I'm going to get something that is fairly like timeless or neutral mm-hmm. in style that I would be comfortable with for like 15 years, um, yeah. which I think nowadays is a long time. Yeah. So there's a little bit of like psychological layering that we kind of have to dig through and find people's priorities and stuff. But um, yeah. Well, I, I just think it's part of the the, the consciousness and um, which kind of leads to a minimalistic movement. And there's a crossover into the KonMari space of like just having mm-hmm. what you really love. Like, I think oh, it's very I'm interesting. So with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just an easy, uh, I joke that I KonMari people's businesses now, but it's. Oh, good. Yeah. It, it, but it's, it's true. It's like just that l- level of intentionality and in choosing because we make so many choices every day that we don't actually think about. And, you know, we don't, when we look at the the sticker price, we're not factoring in, well, what's the cost we're going to have to spend later to deal with the consequences? Um, Cause mm-hmm. there is no, um, you know, full cycle cost ever built in. Like we're not thinking about, okay, we bought this couch and then we're going to have to dispose of it. And what if the other are chemicals that are cancer causing? What if something else? We don't, it's like, we don't ask those questions, I think, enough to figure out like, what is it really worth to us? Exactly. Um, Very well said. Yeah. I just, I wish that there was a, almost a checklist of like, before you buy this, think about this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and that is what I'm thinking about when I'm doing it. So depending on like the kind of thing that it is, I'm like, okay, what, what criteria are we thinking about here? Mm-hmm. Um, and then like what matters I will, to the client, you mean? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so if that thing is going to be like um, low chemical, all natural, or if that thing is going to be like, just made it in the most sustainable way possible. Um, that all goes in like the little description under the photo. So like they get the bullet points of the benefits that they can then make the informed decision on. And what kind of makes this confusing is like conventional pieces, materials in this, in that like high design space are just as expensive. So Mm -hmm. whenever anyone says like, isn't it more expensive? I'm like, that depends. Like we're talking Mm -hmm. about an industry that has everything from the, like um, who makes the geo car? I I know what you mean. I don't remember, but yeah. Like Like Nissan or something. (laughs) Yeah. Or is it like the Ford Pinto back in the day? Let's go Mm -hmm. with that up to the Rolls Royce. So in the conventional space without necessarily like considering any sustainability or toxicity factors. So you have this huge, huge range, um, just like in fashion, like you can get the worst of the worst and the best of the best. And so when you're like, is it more expensive? I'm like, well, if you're comparing it to super fast furniture and stuff like that then yeah but like just like you said when you're looking at the total like cost over time or um benefit then no not really and some Mm -hmm. things like aren't some things are fairly comparable Mm -hmm. like if you take an outdoor rug one that's made from virgin pet and one that's made from recycled pet that is not a cost difference at all really mm-hmm. it just depends on like the brand and style and stuff so yeah. i think um you know it depends yeah well even making choices of like what to keep that we already have i was looking at new um 
serving wear. And I found a couple of places that are putting together mismatched like vintage pieces, which I thought was so cool. And it would have been like $250 for like four forks. And I'm like, hmm. oh. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep the set I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> we'll keep it because it looked beautiful and it was so nice. And there were some others that were just like beautiful and upcycled or, or recycled. And I was like, you know what? Like the one I have is actually totally fine. And of all the things to spend money on, a fork is usually the last thing a person sees in your house. So I think we can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Prioritize. Mm-hmm. Um, how how and, did you, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say for, for clients, I'll, you know, if we're doing a whole house or well, actually whatever size the space is, we'll go through and be like, okay, what are your absolute must have keeps? And then mm-hmm. maybe you are thinking of keeping. Um, and then based on that, even the stuff, if say they want to get rid of it all, um, you know, I can help them manage that process. So whether it is donating it all to restore for have for humanity and taking a nice big like tax write-off mm-hmm. um, for all that value of those pieces or whether it's attempting to sell it on a secondary marketplace depending on what it is um, you know that's something that is a part of the this piece too mm-hmm. and then for the stuff that you're keeping I do I do like want people to be intentional about it I don't want the KonMari thing comes in here. Like, I don't want you to just keep it because it was gifted to you or because like, yeah. <laughs> you have guilt about it or whatever. So it does. Cause then in the, in, in the long run, you'll be happier and keep it all. What came first being, um, healthy and eco oriented or being an interior designer? So the environmental stuff came first. I started studying that in college. Um, and then graduated in the great recession and kind of left around a bit there trying to get, you know, related jobs and mm-hmm. solar companies and actually plastics recycling company was my very first job out of college. Um, and then I went back to grad school, um, uh, in the environmental sciences, but kind of between there, I was just like a little bit bored, I guess. And I did a decorating certificate for fun because my mom had always been into it and I was always messing with my room and that's it. Just put that away. It was like a really easy, um, learn as you go kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then, um, didn't think about it, went to grad school. And then after another series of, you know, jobs and startups where I just kept feeling like this wasn't quite it or underappreciated or underused or whatever it might be. And then I started and um, started seeing like friends and family start their own businesses. And I, it was like just a huge light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, I could start a business. And then I did. And I offered way too much and I had mixed messaging and I was all over the yeah. place and basically <laughs> putting myself through business school one failure at a time Mm -hmm. until, and then I thought about like, okay, I was trying to kind of push my values onto people. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to rebrand and I'm going to try my hardest to get the same kind of like-minded people coming Mm -hmm. to me. Um, and also do my bit in, in education and awareness and stuff. I had, um, been, I had taught environmental science at different colleges all around Los Angeles, which I did love doing. Um, so I wanted to keep that like educational piece, but not like the value pushing piece. And I really wanted to blend my personal values of, you know, environmentalism and human health with this thing that I thought was so fun and this endeavor, this business I wanted to create in the in interior design field. So it kind of... Um, I arranged a marriage between those two and made it work. (laughs) Well, you're such a great example of when I tell people to, the more you can be a unicorn and layer all the things you love and find what that product or service is, the happier you're going to be. Because I love kind of you're speaking to not having to compromise. And when you do lean in on all of who you are, 
you really do attract the people that you want to work with so much faster and, and more clearly um, because they love the thing that made you different from everybody else. Absolutely. And there's probably people like out there looking for that now. Mm -hmm. I, I just felt like everyone kept saying to me, oh, that must be like such a good market in Los Angeles. And I was like, uh, maybe like, yeah, I, I guess like, I don't know where these people are. I can't see them. I can't find them. I'm just like getting mm -hmm. clients and, you know, starting the roster. It was like, uh, is it, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, and, you know, business building as a whole other enchilada. Um, mm -hmm. but, but I was like, okay, there has got to be like, there's, and there's got, but it's just a matter of like those people getting on Google and like searching those particular keywords to find me. So I was like, that I think is where the secret sauce is, is like someone who's already primed and ready to go looking for what you have. That is that like maybe kind of unique combination of things. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's so many people who want to redo their home or their space and they don't even know that there's an option to work with someone like you who can handhold them through the sustainable, healthy choices options as well. Because you just get, you know, I think about people who are in that space of, for me, it was like even going through COVID, I had to like wait and be like, no, just wait, just wait. <laughs> you're going to move, like just wait. But it was so when you're in your space for so long, you're like, it all has to go. I can't look yeah. at it anymore. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm tired of looking at that thing. I didn't used to look at so much. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is surprised or like, where do you see the value where your clients like get it? And they're like, this is it. Like, thank you. This is why I wanted to be working with you. I think I think because it's like we were talking about just such a major time commitment and mm -hmm. endeavor to look on the like entire world is at our fingertips now. It's almost too much to mm -hmm. source things from. Um, whereas before, like pre-internet, you would just go down to your nearest like stone slab yard and pick one <laughs> and that was it yeah. and now you have the whole universe um so really helping narrow down that field and trying to beyond like the time and potentially money savings that we would be bringing it's also like the um the fun part the creative part the the expertise mm -hmm. of of taking who you are and what your identity is and being able to like bring that out into your space. I also talk a lot about like the psychological benefits of design and environmental design in terms of like atmosphere and space, stress levels, cortisol levels, like all that kind of stuff. Um, I think is a big piece of the big piece of the pie that a lot of designers understand inherently because we all feel it so much ourselves like we're we're usually people who are quite sensitive to our physical environment mm -hmm. um when i'm looking at restaurants like in addition to looking at the food i'm always clicking the <laughs> the indoor photos to see mm -hmm. like am i about to take someone to like some crummy yeah like place with a bad vibe and it's like awkward and yuck to sit in like that is not the experience i want to have and so i'm bringing that same like patterning in whether people know it or not, like into their home or their office, or even with business, I'm, I'm so passionate about business. And if, if you have a business that is client facing a space in any way, anything from a therapist's office to an ice cream store, like if you have people coming in, you're non-verbally communicating with them about who you are and what the service, all that stuff. And it makes my skin crawl when I see people neglect it or mm -hmm. it's um, not representative of their brand and what they're trying to offer. It's the most horrible thing because I feel like you're leaving money on the table. And as a fellow business person, I'm just like, I can't let you do that. You are. And it's just so out of integrity with who you are and what you would want to be creating. Like I'm the same way. I, I have, um, was recommended to go to an eye doctor and I went and the space was so uncomfortable. I didn't care how good they were. I'm like, no, like 
there's mm -hmm. this tells me more about you than what your qualifications are right away <laughs> exactly exactly it's yeah. such a strong um part of communication and we see this mm -hmm. in like the short-term rental and rental space as well mm -hmm. um like the visuals and the 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 thought that goes into it is so so important you're you're saying so much and people respond to it really drastically so i'm always mm -hmm. thinking about that in for businesses and for people themselves like are you happy when you come home do you feel like when people come over it expresses like who you are to people it's just, it's really like fashion in that way like mm -hmm. what are what are you wearing out what is it saying about you um, and and that is a natural and like normal process of human psychology yeah yeah how has your perspective of yourself changed um, after becoming a business owner? Oh my gosh. I did a lot, <laughs> a lot of self-work, like forced me to do so much growing, um, and expanding and learning and I just don't know if I'd be the same person really without this journey now that I think about it and how you kind of put it like that. Like, I, I gosh, because it really made me think about how I interact with people in terms of like my communication and mm -hmm. my expectations of people, my, their expectations of me, what, how I wanted to be and show up um, versus what I was doing. And so much of it was so confronting and it took so much and I did have help along the way. I had coaches and um, people in my coaching groups and, you know, all met up with fellow business owners. Like I, I put my, the, the most that I did was all of the work I did with myself. Like mm -hmm. there's the physical work you do on a business any given day, but really like the extra hard parts and the extra, um, you know, tough stuff was all my mindset mm -hmm. and all of the internal stuff. So I think it has helped me just be better all the way around as like a holistic human being because of how much I've had to do mm -hmm. to stick in it, you know, and be yeah. resilient and keep going. Yeah. The, I don't think people realize how often the difference between success and failure is that last 20%. And that's the hardest part, I think, to do in a business is the last 20%. Because we'll get so exhausted on the way, like, up the climb. And you're like, oh, okay, how much farther? Um, so it's so when easy it's like to... a crack, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's a great kind of segue into what it means to you to be a powerful lady. And do the words powerful and ladies, are they different when combined versus um, isolated. Yeah, I think they are different when they're combined. Um, I think, yeah, that's interesting. There's a little bit of a connotation to the word lady <laughs> yeah. in our history, but, um, um, I think of it as, let's see what, what, like, how am I defining one? Mm -hmm. I would, I guess I would say the, you know, the internal goings on of a powerful lady would be someone who knows who they are and has a voice and um, has found a way to stand in their space. Like for me, I had a lot of, um, like self-esteem stuff to work on and confidence stuff to work on a lot of that, which, you know, I just had to do to, to continue growing a business. And so that's what I'm saying as it made me a holistically better. Mm -hmm. So I feel much more powerful in having those foundational building blocks built up more and then being able I think what also is powerful is being able to use your energy and your time and your skills and your knowledge for 
something that you believe in, whatever it might be. Um, that is kind of my story is I couldn't really leave all my values and history mm-hmm. behind um, for this new shiny thing. I had to bring it along. And so just knowing what that is and um, being resilient, I think is a big piece of that. Um, mm-hmm. It's really it's really easy not to be, <laughs> but I think there is a lot of um, strength and learning and growing in resiliency. And lastly, I would say anything makes you feel empowered. Um, and it, for, you know, like the year I took Krav Maga before the um, pandemic, that was incredibly empowering. Like, mm-hmm. and so it's internal, it's external. Um, it's definitely like a holistic picture. Um, but I think everyone's journey is going to be different on how, what is going to make them feel that way. Yeah. How have women uh, supported you on your journey and inspired you along the way? Mm. One, at the very beginning, you know, the a few of the people I said I saw starting their businesses. So let's take three. My now husband, my uh, friend Katie, and my sister. So two of those people were female, and that was like a huge light bulb. Kind of just like I didn't know you could be young and female and start a business. As stupid as that sounds, sounds to say. Um, but it was kind of true. Like I just didn't identify as Mm -hmm. that until I saw it and I needed to see it in, in people that I closely related to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now I do like this manifestation stuff. They would call it an expander. (laughs) (laughs) So they expanded what I thought was possible for myself. Um, so the inspiration in the first place, and then I have met so many different um, female entrepreneurs and business owners along the way, and have been very intentional about seeking them out. And, um, because it was, it just always felt like I needed to see that and surround myself with that and get to know those people because it was so hard. I just needed to keep like commiserating with people, learning from people that I could identify with. Um, and so I was, yeah, I've always been looking for other powerful ladies to learn from and speak from all along the way. You talked about resiliency and how much you have to like self-propel, right? As a business owner, even when you have coaches and groups and a community, it's still at the end of the day, like you wake up and you go, okay, I get to do it all today. Let's go. Um, you know, what are you doing to keep yourself present to the possibilities and in a space of like moving forward in creation versus getting sucked into what can feel overwhelming from even just the to-do list perspective? I, I mean, you have to really want what it's going to provide you. Like you have to really have a clear why and like super clear reasons for doing it. Cause some people mm-hmm. fall into business occasionally and like things will yes. fall in their lap and it's a perfect <laughs> fit. And I don't know those people. Um, personally, <laughs> I have heard stories or like seen glimpses that has not been my story or anyone else, um, in close proximity. It does happen, but like usually a stay a long staying, you know, you have to have such a clear reason for doing it. And for me, it was, you know, like I mentioned, not feeling fulfilled or appreciated or whatever at work, but also I had read the four hour work week, like so many of us, and it resonated with me, like so many millennials and elder millennials, like all myself. Um, because I think we are all coming to this consciousness of like, American culture and work culture versus maybe some other places and pace of things and overwhelm and um, the imbalance that we're all sort of Mm -hmm. feeling. And so I think that that really resonated with people like, wow, what if I could do something and only spend, you know, this amount of time. And, and that was super, super powerful for me. It was like, 
yeah, wow, can this actually be done? Do I work four hours a week yet? Hell no, I work <laughs> plenty. Um, but I can take time out during the day to finish early and go to the chiropractor if I want to, or mm-hmm. like whatever it might be. So having the autonomy and um, having the geographic freedom too, because my husband's Australian, we might go back there one day and I want to be able to, you know, not be tied down to a place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other things like at the, really, if you work for yourself, there's potentially no salary cap like that, mm-hmm. you know, is contingent on a few things, but there is, you make your own potential. And also like, I have always felt like I could be a good boss and a good leader and a good, like, owner of things. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's been really fulfilling to be able to do that. So everything from, you know, the work like fit to the benefits of the, you know, word freedom we throw around a lot, but, um, Mm -hmm. that was all super, super, super into my why. And so that is what I think about when things are super duper hard. Cause I'm also thinking about like, do I have to go back to work for someone else? Like, I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Like, yeah. You know, but if you don't mind, then maybe, you know, building is not for you because it is, um, hard. Yeah. Well, we ask everyone on the podcast where they put themselves on the powerful lady scale. If oh, zero gosh. is your average everyday human, and 10 is the most powerful lady imaginable. Where would you put yourself today and on average? I'm just curious who you imagine as the most powerful lady on the planet right now. Who right now? Is it still uh, Oprah for everyone? I, you know, it's, I think it's changing a lot, right? I think like if you said like right now, who's really doing uh powerful things. Like the first person that pops into my head is um, actually Liz Cheney because she's having to constantly be in disagreement with so many people and she's just standing her ground about things. And I, that's just so exhausting to constantly be having to like hold yourself up against Mm, mm -hmm. the wave of things. So like she popped in my head, um, Reese Witherspoon's kicking ass right now. Like she just keeps adding more and more and more on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always yeah. think about Dolly Parton. Yes. Um, yeah. And Jane Fonda. Um, mm-hmm. I love those two ladies so much. Um, I, this oh, is the, the woman in Texas who, who just said that she can use the carpooling cause she's pregnant. She's on the list now too. I am pregnant and I do live in Los Angeles and I have thought about that, but I don't know about that one. Um, let's see. This is so hard Mm -hmm. and I, I, I hope everyone else stirs as much as I'm starting to get this out because I, I do feel quite proud of everything I have achieved and learned and grown into. However, I would say just, I do feel quite helpless like the rest of us does in the (laughs) face of really, really tough social issues in this country and the world. And it makes me feel less powerful Mm -hmm. um, inherently. So that is something I totally struggle with, but I'm going to go ahead and say a seven. Perfect. Yeah. You know, I, I think you brought up a great point about, you know, when I look at female entrepreneurs, and this is me being very stereotypical based on my personal experience and network, most women who are business owners, like I hate the phrase work-life balance because it is just ridiculous. It's misleading. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, women are very holistic typically in how they look at something like, okay, how can I run my business? How can I have my family? How can I handle these things? How can I see my friends? You know, how can I make sure that my values and priorities, like how do we make all of it just throw it into the pot and we'll figure it out later. Mm. And there's been a lot of clients coming to me and I, I work with men and women, but there's been a lot of female clients coming to me just saying, I feel so exhausted lately. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because you're doing all the things and the political and social pressures and, you know, ridiculousness on all sides are just keep adding 
to our to-do list. Like when Roe v. Wade was overturned, I woke up and my first thought was, damn it, something else to do. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I don't have room on my to-do list and now I have to find it. (laughs) Yeah. Like how am I going to participate in this or get swallowed by despair and guilt and, you know, I don't want to be an ostrich with my head in this hand. So, but like, okay, what's it going to be? Am I going to have to research like the best organizations to donate to? Am I going to like go to a rally? I don't really want to like, it's too hot out. I'm pregnant. I can't go to a rally. Like, what am I going to do? That's going to make me feel mm-hmm. less horrible because action really does yes. um, help so, so much. And so it's figure, even like having to figure out like what that is, you're like, Ugh, yeah. I'll just like take a break. <laughs> yes. When yeah. is everyone taking a vacation? We need to do a, like uh, the August reset that they do in Europe because yes. everyone needs a timeout. Everyone needs some pool time. Everyone needs some more cocktails because everyone's real hot and bothered right now. Just, okay, come, come, let's come back to reality, please. So we can actually have a conversation. Yeah. It's but like, I do think a part of being power, like, I do think that brings up a good point and feeling powerful is not just ignoring or commiserating about the things that are like really important to us and like putting our money where our mouth is or, you know, our time into action. And I think that that is a huge distinguishing factor in what makes someone powerful. And when I hear stories of like what incredible women have done in these really tough situations, I am so admirable. And I think that that is like a, you know, huge piece. Well, and it, it makes me really appreciate the the lineage that powerful ladies come from because we certainly weren't the first. And to know that for better or worse, like women keep having to to show up bigger than they were expected to or allowed to or whatever that space was, um, it just keeps, you know, if women have done it before us in so many different scenarios, we can too, especially mm-hmm. now that we have access to know that more of each other exist, which mm-hmm. is what I hope powerful ladies shows. <laughs> and like, yeah. you know, cause almost everyone on powerful ladies, if you find them on LinkedIn or Instagram and say, Hey, I heard you here. I know so-and-so like you're going to get a response. These are women who want to support and help and connect and okay. What else can we do together to make everything easier and better? Yeah. Um, so it's nice to be in that space, but even with the, they were telling, I saw the, the financial protest that said like, don't spend any money on July 14th because women control so much of the economy. So if we just don't spend any money that day. There will be an impact. And I was like, can you have told me that like two weeks before, because I have a schedule and I have things and I'm like, like, uh, like I'm happy to participate, but I need time so that I can make everything work. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Like we should absolutely be taking advantage of this connection. And I think that is what we're seeing more of now. So I do Mm -hmm. feel hopeful in that regard. Yeah. Well, speaking to the, the power of community and connection, we've been asking everyone this year, what do you need? What are you looking for? Because this is a powerful group. And so often the person who has it is just in front of you and you haven't asked. (laughs) Let's see. Well, the thing I'm facing right now is figuring out maternity leave and Mm -hmm. then what it's going to look like and how it's going to look like getting back into things. So I would love to just see examples of how people did that who work for themselves and, Mm -hmm. you know, the real nitty gritty and like logistics of like, what did they do and how did they manage it? And like, um, what was that experience like for them and what would they recommend? Cause I just need to be like, um, you know, shown some that it can be done and it's not going to mean the end of this first baby I created on my own and, um, all that stuff. So I am looking for some expansion and illumination Mm -hmm. on what this exciting and terrifying next chapter (laughs) is going to look like. Well, um, you are in the right place because I have actually helped quite a few clients have maternity leave in their first year of business or after. So I'm happy to talk to you after the podcast about this at some point, but to give our listeners some of my, what I would share with you. Yeah. Um, 
what I usually walk clients through is having like an A, B, and C plan. We know that the baby's in charge, so we have to be prepared to throw all the plans out. But if you have an A, B, and C plan of what you think it might look like, both like how do you prepare to leave because the, the baby could come early? And then also what does it look like to come back? Like what would a plan look like if you decided to give yourself six months of not coming back? What would it look like if you wanted to come back in two weeks? Um, what would it look like if you take a traditional maternity leave and slowly work your way back in? Mm. Um, you, there's so many options for you being a business owner to, to choose. And then probably in reality, from my experience is people kind of cobbled together parts of those plans, but because they had kind of three pathways, they were able to pick from things versus have to create it from, you know, that moment. Um, it's always required having like really clear teams set up and like knowing who's having things and also being bold enough to go dark, you know, thriving in business means that, you know, I I love the phrase that small business owners do and entrepreneurs create systems. So it's a great opportunity to look at where is there a system in your business that maybe isn't automated enough or isn't systematized enough where you can create more space for yourself on a day-to-day basis, but also with your team. Um, and then there's so much possibility to rely on community. You know, if, if I have one client who's going on maternity leave soon and her mother's stepping in because she has the same qualifications for X amount of time. I have another one who literally has called a, I don't call them competitors, but like a parallel company. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Hey, I'm, t- I'm going to take the paternity leave. Can you support my business during this time? I'll, I'll pay you. Like, I know you can do this. Like, would mm-hmm. you be willing to work this out together? And so there's all these opportunities that we don't think about of who can fill the gaps for, you know, even the good, better, best plans to make things happen. And then, you know, having businesses with kids is also great. I have a client who we've redone her entire business where she doesn't take, she dials down to 10% capacity over the summer. Mm-hmm. Her kids are probably six or seven and 10 ish. And so her, her business cycle starts where in August. So she does sales over the summer, but that's kind of it. And mm-hmm. she wraps up clients at the end of May. And then she works a little bit to like get anyone who's doing a, like more than a year work with her, mm-hmm. but she, it's totally scales back. And oh, she wonderful. never thought that was possible. And anything is in our businesses because we get to control it. We just need to move the pieces around and she's even doubling her business while doing that. So, oh my God. Amazing. See, that's the kind yeah. of like stuff you need to hear. Mm-hmm. And, um, what, what did you just say that I wanted to touch on? Oh, I think just like the mention of structures and systems and like really penciling things out is like music to my little nerdy organizational (laughs) ears, because I find that the, the antidote for my overwhelm or my, um, stress or whatever it might be is exactly that, like giving Mm -hmm. myself structure, giving myself, um, a plan pen to paper kind of thing. And then, um, implementing it is just like the most relieving thing. And I think yeah. that is just gotta be step one, which surprisingly I haven't done yet. It's just kind of was going like, I think I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I think if I, you know, structure it a little bit more, maybe formalize it a little bit more, it'll make me feel really good. Well, and also will help you to tell your team and your clients, like, here's what we're thinking. Here are the three options and how they might impact you, but also yeah. to, like tell your husband and like your family, because they're going to have to be the ones that really check in with you ultimately, like which, because so much changes right in that moment. And some people have come back and been like, I don't want to do this anymore. You're like, okay, Mm. let's figure out how to offboard it, sell it, switch it. Cool. Other people say, I want to own it. I don't really want to do the work anymore. Okay. Also an option. Other people are like, get me back in there. Yeah. So you, we really have the full gamut, but who are your partners going to be to help you choose what plan makes sense for you? Um, Powerful ladies tend to be women who get bored and need an outlet and can rush into things and say yes to too much. And so I think for the maternity leave piece, especially as a business owner, who's going to be your accountability partner to make sure that you're slowing down and choosing the long plan versus the, I have to get back there kind of panic plan. Cause that's mm. really easy to do as an, as an owner. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, how cool is it that you're in the position to make it up and, yeah, you know, copy some of those European material leave <laughs> styles if you want to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We're Canadian. Yes. Honestly, there's so, there are closer options that yeah. are there we can drive to. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, for everyone who wants to hire you, collaborate with you, support you, where can they uh, find, follow, and reach out to you? Yes. So Eco Method Interiors is the name. And that'll be on Instagram, the website, the emails, hello at Eco Method Interiors. So you'll find that kind of all across the board. Um, and I would love for someone listening to reach out and say hi. So don't hesitate. Amazing. Thank you so much for being a yes to me and the powerful ladies and to Anna and for sharing your story with us today. It's it's so important to hear stories of women who are combining all of their passions or turning it into a business who are doing all of that while becoming, you know, moms and creating their families and just not doing our best not to compromise because there's so much pressure to compromise every day. And it's nice to see that you don't have to. Thank you so, so much. I loved this conversation and what you're doing. I appreciate it so much. And it was absolutely my pleasure. to connect with Erica and Eco Method Interiors are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review. It helps us so much to connect with more listeners like you. Come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. And if you're looking to connect directly with me, you can find me at Kara underscore Duffy or at karaduffy.com. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode and new amazing guests. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.